0: You do you. Let TrueGreen do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: Let's face it. People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human.
1: Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of.
2: At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human, Amika. Empathy is our best policy.
3: Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. COVID cases are spiking in the U.S., but a number of Caribbean countries are now opening to American travelers. I'll check in with hotelier Nikhil Avani for a report on the ground the Turks and Caicos. Then, with more Americans in their cars and taking road trips, I'll talk with the editor-in-chief of Popular Mechanics, Alex George, for his assessment of the best new cars for 2021. And then, on a somewhat lighter note, I'll chat with the lifestyle editor of Esquire Magazine for his take on the best bars in America. Of course, with so many closing, information to file for future reference. First, Nikhil Lubani. You know, if you do a little census here, especially in the Caribbean, you're going to find So many different island nations beginning to open up for American travelers. Europe is definitely shut down. We know that. Uh, Lockdowns in France and Spain and Italy, in Germany and Austria, most recently in the United Kingdom. I'm just getting started. There's already an EU ban on us anyway, but there's now just a ban on everybody within those countries. They're locked down. Um, And most of Asia still locked down to us. South Pacific still locked down to us, uh, with the exception maybe... Of Hawaii, if you want to call that South Pacific. Uh, but let's move to the Caribbean. And that's where we're seeing a lot of movement. St. Kitts, opening up. Jamaica, opening up. St. Lucia, opening up. Costa Rica, if you want to call that, that's not the Caribbean, but you know it's close enough, opening up. And Panama, opening up. We're seeing um, uh, a number of different countries embracing different insurance plans and different ways to create a, a confidence boosting opportunities for people to want to go there and stay there uh, like Barbados you know giving you a visa uh, a visa change where you're allowed to work there now for a year uh, this is happening all around the Caribbean and one of those locations now is the Turks and Caicos and and anytime I want to know what's going on in the Caribbean I get the next guy on the phone Good friend of mine. He's also the uh, co-founder and the COO of Grace Bay Resorts. Nikhil Avani, how are you, sir?
4: Peter, it's always great speaking to you. How are you doing?
3: Most importantly, how are you guys doing? Because you're know, you an island that depends, I should say you are islands, that depend almost entirely on travel and tourism.
4: Very, very much so. So, uh, you know, it's been a tough ride. Uh, the, The whole world was closing down in March, and so did we, we did a full lockdown. Uh, I think for us, it was trying to assess what was going on, trying to learn. uh, Under the leadership of the government and the premier, we had Public Health England fly their top guys down here to support us on the island. And what we learned is we had to increase our medical capacity. So that's the first thing we did. So we were in lockdown all the way from mid-March through um, July 22nd. So during that time, we increased our medical capacity. We learned a lot. We had Public Health England and our guys in the Turks and Caicos, you know, str- putting a strategy together on how do we mitigate this? How do we learn more? And so we were very conservative, I think, uh, during that time. And there was a lot of learning. And also, with the private sector leading this effort, we put together an app called TCISAFE.com. And this app gave you all the tools that you needed to be able to come and travel safely in partnership with the government's app called TCI Assured. So we worked closely with the government and and put this together. Uh, So July 22nd, we opened our doors. Uh, And, you know, again, a lot of policies were changing. We had heightened um, sort of uh, cleanliness and and hygiene standards in all hotels, using best practices around the world uh, with the global hoteliers that we have on island. So this was a real interesting uh, period. I can look back now with experience and and speak to that. We've had roughly uh, from July 22nd till today, roughly about 15,000-odd guests uh, within the Turks and Caicos Islands that came to visit us. We call them the adventurers. They wanted to come. They wanted to travel. They got on the first flight when our doors opened, and they came to visit us. And I'm proud to say that these mitigating factors are working. Um, And so far, out of 15,000 people, no guests have got any uh, spread of COVID-19, and neither have they spread it to our, our community uh, all the staff of the hotel. Now, these are mitigating factors. They're not 100, percent but you know, data is really valuable to see uh, a live experience or live experiment that we've been doing with data and knowledge and the help of medical professionals who are leading this sort of um, uh, opening of islands or opening of cities. So, I think these factors that we have, which is the five-day testing, getting the right insurance using the right cleanliness procedures and hygiene, have been very, very useful. So that's our experience right now.
3: Well, Nikhil, let's go down that one by one. You talk about a five-day testing. Somebody wants to go to the Turks and Caicos right now, what do they have to do?
4: So if you want to go to the Turks and Caicos, there there are four things you need to do. One is you need to get your negative PCR test within a five-day period um, of travel. You need to get Medivac insurance uh, while you're there. Both these things are available to be booked on TCI So that's the second thing. Third thing, you have to fill in a questionnaire. Um, and the fourth thing is upload all that information onto TCI assured. So with all those four things done within a 24 hour to 48 hour period, you will get a response that you're clear to travel. Uh, most guests and the travel professionals have come back to us and says, these are some of the best practices that you have that are leading the Caribbean. And they're so simple. Now, I've tried it myself, and I can say that, but then I'm always going to say that about our islands. Uh, but this is coming from people like Jackie Zon, people like Bobby Zur, who are industry experts. And they've said, you know, we've tried your system. Our guests have tried it. These are working really well. You know, keep it. And, you know, as things are getting better uh, for a stage, they were getting better in terms of COVID-19 in the U.S. and that. Uh, people were saying, why do you reduce your standards? And we, we held tight to that because it was working. Uh, of course, now the spread is getting worse in the U.S. right now. But again, I think, as you've said in many of your chats, we're going to have to live with this through the whole year. So we've got to have a system that we believe in, that it works, that has a proven track record, and that has, is supported by data. And that's what we have in the Turks and Caicos Islands.
3: All right. Now, I, I want to dissect that just a little more. You talk about medical evacuation insurance that you can book on your app. What does that cost? So
4: it's, it's $9.90 a day per person. It's actually a bespoke program that we've worked with some of the biggest insurance companies in the world. And the goal there when we were working with these insurance companies uh, was we need to have somebody that was, if they were if tested positive in the Turks and Caicos or they had symptoms and they were tested positive, we needed to get them off the island back into their jurisdiction in the U.S. Um, and to a hospital. So if you're not from the U.S., they, they take you back to Miami. If you are from the U.S., we fly you directly back, uh, including your family, including your family. And that would not put an extra load on the medical facilities on island. That was the whole concept. Uh, Thank God we've not had to use that uh, facility. And so those are the kind of things that we were talking about and how, how the idea came out for this bespoke insurance policy.
3: You know, one of the things people think about, they may not talk about it, but they're sure thinking about it, is the idea that they don't want to go anywhere, get stuck and not be able to come home. Or they don't want to go somewhere and then find out that they're not covered. You know, one of the biggest areas of complaint on this show has been in terms of either getting a refund when a trip gets canceled or buying travel insurance that turned out to be worthless. So how have you, have you affected your refund policies so that all of a sudden if something happens and there's a spike in cases and somebody can't go or the hotel itself says we're not going to be open, that these people can get their money back?
4: Peter, Peter, that's a very valid point. We've had those same concerns. So what we've done in our team and on the islands in general is we've said, you've got from now till, except for Festive, uh, a 24-hour cancellation policy. So even a day before your travel, if for whatever reason you can't travel, you call us back and we will guarantee that you can get a full refund. Festive, we've made uh, changes as well. So we're very flexible with our best partners and working with them one-on-one. And we've decided to go one step further. Next year... In quarter one, which is our high season usually, we've done a 72-hour cancellation policy so that 72 hours before coming, you can cancel and get a full refund. And, you know, the feedback from our guests and our travel professionals has been the same that what you're hearing. Look, we don't mind booking. We, we, we'll pay the deposit. We'll book uh, whatever the travel is. We love it. We love Turks and Caicos. But we want to know, just if, with these uncertain times that if we can't travel, that we can get a refund. And we're listening. So that's why we did this policy. Many of the hotels have decided to use the same policy as well.
3: And and here's my question. Based on not only the lessons that you've learned, but the lessons that you've applied, is this going to be a policy that will extend even after there's a vaccine?
4: You know, I I think as we go, we're going to learn. This is a dynamic situation. I couldn't tell you what that will be later. It's all supply and demand. And it's also listening to your clients. I think, Turks and caicos one of the things we do differently on these islands is we've got such a great relationship with our guests and travel professionals that we create a program that works for them. So I think as, as we go along, if that's what people want and that's what, you know, the supply and demand allows, then that will stay. Slowly, knowing how things go, demand will come back supply will be reduced, and conditions will change. But again, it's always in favor of the guests. Uh, I think we've been able to do that, uh, being a small island, being a bespoke island, uh, handling a lot of uh, you know high, high net worth guests. So I think it's easy for us to do that on a relationship basis because that's really what we've done on the island that's made a big difference.
3: My thanks to Nikhil. The new model cars are out, and the performance reports are in. So which are the best new cars in America? Alex George, the editor-in-chief of Popular Mechanics, is behind the wheel. Uh, I love having him on the show, uh, because every time I, I, I talk to him, I learn something. He's the editor-in-chief of Popular Mechanics. Alex George. Hey, Alex. Hey, how are you? Good. So it's that time of year we got to talk about all the new cars. Uh, and, and, and especially when people are taking more and more road trips, in you know in the in the wake of the pandemic, you know it's not just RVs; it's people just jumping in their cars and taking you know one tank, 300 mile trips from home, and essentially rediscovering their own regions, rediscovering their own neighborhoods. So what a perfect time to talk about the new model cars. Uh, I have a couple of favorites, but I'm going to shut up and let you tell me yours.
0: So it was it was a strange year. So obviously we had you know everything was upended in March and uh, the summer. It, felt it was kind of this weird phase where you know people weren't buying things. And then you saw this uptick later on where people were buying cars, and the used market specifically just went through the roof. Uh, and now people, have, you know, co- uh, companies have gone back to their manufacturing, their R and D, uh, and they ended up coming out with some really stunning models for this year. And saw a lot of cars that were kind of unexpected, uh, things that were you know much more a little bit more daring than actually we thought that we'd see this year. And you know, and so, Alex, you know, yeah. before
3: you even get to the models. What was surprising to me was back in March, April and May, all the car manufacturers were offering unbelievable finance deals. They were basically right. saying 0% APR for 84 months and I was saying, I didn't know cars lasted for 7 years.
2: <laughs> it
0: was it went to this insane swing from then till the, and cuz I think people were very, you know, it, there was so much uncertainty that people didn't know how that was going to behave. And they didn't know how the car market was going to behave differently from other markets. So I, th- I see it, why they came from with that. And then it just swung in the complete opposite direction. Now, you, it's kind of difficult to find certain cars on the market anymore.
3: I know. So, it's it, but, but okay, let's start with your favorites and then which ones are actually selling. Because sometimes that's a separate answer.
0: Oh, for sure. I'll t- So I'll tell you, I'll start with one that is, wait, well, two that are selling Very well. And uh, so this year on our list, we had two Kias. So one was the sedan of the year, which is the Kia K5. The other one was what we call the family car of the year, which is the Kia Telluride. And Kia's on and their sister companies, um, uh, Hyundai and Genesis, are on this rise over the last, I don't know, It's taken like if you were around in the early aughts, you remember the Kias were kind of a punchline. Like they were the last, you know, they were the cheapest car you could get on the economy lot uh, when you were renting in a new place. But they're excellent now, and they still have this uh, ten-year, hundred-thousand-mile warranty on them. And well, the, you know it, what? In just... the
3: interest, in the interest yeah. of full disclosure, I have to tell you, I have ne- I, I bought a new car once in my life. It was a nineteen seventy-one VW bus, Sierra Yellow, they called it, but it was actually orange. And I drove it for five years, and it was the only car I ever bought new in my life. And wildly enough, it was the only car that, when I sold it, I got more money than what I paid for it. Uh, because it had just increased in value, which cars never do. The only other car I've ever bought new in my life was a year ago. I actually bought a Kia Telluride.
0: How do you like it so far?
3: I love it. It's unbelievable. It's well designed. It thinks. Uh, but the thing that attracted me to it was that ten-year warranty.
0: It's uh, it has been they've had it for a while, and it's this kind of a guarantee that the most catastrophic part of the car, uh, the powertrain. If that goes, then you're covered. And 10 years under those miles is insane. It was insane the first time it ever came out. And now having that on a car like that, where it's for the money, it is an incredible amount of luxury. Like, key and tiers are very, very nice right now. Uh, the you know the ergonomics of how the radio works, the quality of the leather that they put into it. So having that kind of guarantee and on a car that has all that luxury inside of it is incredible. They're actually coming out Genesis, which is the kind of the Lexus to Toyota. Genesis is to... Uh, Kia. They're coming out with a new SUV called the GX that's going to have a lot of the same parts and a lot of the same design elements. And it's just this, this company that builds these really incredible, luxurious cars. And they are kind of beating some of the German equivalents uh, by tens of thousands of dollars. So they're incredible buys. So the Telluride is a fantastic version of a uh, you know a traditional SUV with a lot of cargo carrying capacity and three rows of seats. Um, and if you want something smaller with kind of similar uh yeah. more updated technology, the K5 is the new sedan. That one's fantastic, too. Uh, I will, t- I will tell you this, sedan. Alex.
3: I will tell you this. I remember in 1978, I flew from Los Angeles to Seoul in Korea. And that was my first introduction to the Hyundais. And I looked at that car. I said, what a piece of garbage. I would never, ever, I, I mean, I looked at that car as an accident waiting to happen. I would never get in it. And now look what Hyundai's doing. There, if I hadn't bought a Telluride, I probably would have bought a Hyundai.
0: They're, I mean, they are all fantastic now. They're just, they've, they, what I think they, uh, they did better than anybody else is really listening to customer feedback and taking, uh, you know, suggestions by committee um, really seriously. And so that's how you end up with all these really smart features. Like uh, the Kia K5 has uh, this feature that I wish every car had, which is adaptive cruise control, which means it keeps up with the car in front of you, uh, but it'll work after you come to a full stop. So you come to a full stop in traffic. And it will actually just keep going. And it sounds kind of strange if you haven't if you haven't tried it, but it is it makes such a difference in terms of how fatigued you are if you're sitting in traffic for a while. So just little things like that showing up in a car at this price, it's it's fantastic. I see why they're working.
3: All right, so that's the Kia is one of uh, one of the one of the cars that's a surprise to you. What was the other big surprise?
0: Uh, I mean, it, it was it came down to more or less two of them. So for the last three years, the car of the year has been electric. So. Uh, there was the Tesla Model Three, which has just been arguably a major deal, uh, and it turned sort out of to be a fantastic car uh, to drive. And uh, the trim levels are exceptional. There was the uh, Kia Niro, which is an electric car as well. Uh, the Chevrolet Bolt before that, which is kind of quietly a fantastic electric car. And then the electric car this year was the Polestar Two. So Polestar is this; it's owned by the same holding company that owns Volvo uh, and Geely. So it's based in China and the factories in China. Uh, but this is the company they make a all-electric sedan now called the Polestar 2. Uh, it gets about 250 miles of range, uh, which is less than Tesla's, but it has this uh, new feature to it. It's called, uh, I'm going to mess up the name, but they have it's the Google uh, OS Auto. It's different from, Google, you know, plugging in your phone and you get your phone in the car. It's this voice assistant, and you can tell it things like, I'm cold or I'm hot. It'll adjust the temperature. You can tell it to turn on the seat heaters, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's just really intuitive. Kind of some of it's a little bit gimmicky, but it's this really intuitive way of just setting different things for your car. And it feels like you just have an Amazon Alexa running everything in your car. And that was, I I was kind of ready to be skeptical of that, but it's actually a pretty pretty fascinating feature and feels pretty futuristic. All
3: right. Now, having said that, what were the cars for 2020 or 2021, I should say, that surprised you on the opposite end? That you said, uh oh, this one's got a problem.
0: Ah, I mean, I'll say one that I was very, I was pretty ready to be skeptical of too was the um, the Chevrolet the new Chevrolet Corvette. So this is this one that has the mid engine, and it was going to be, yeah, it had so much hype going into it. So every Corvette for the history of its production has had the engine in the front. This is the first one to have it in the middle, Uh, and it was there's just these years of buildup and you know uh, news leaks about it, Um, and I was pretty ready to be underwhelmed by it because I mean you've driven. American cars for a long time have had pretty, their interiors have been plastic and cheap. Uh, you know, parts just aren't the same quality that you get in, um, you know, especially European equivalents of that. And then this one came out and it's basically challenging a lot of these six figure Ferraris and McLaren's and by having this setup. And it worked. I just could not believe how well it worked. It had this. Um, you know, it had this bizarre looking climate control That runs down the center of it And you're like, this is, I don't think that uh, <laughs> There's no way to get used to us. It. it looks too insane And then you actually spend some time in it And it all makes sense And it's comfortable And wow. all of that for $60,000 I was just, I, I was so ready to be underwhelmed uh, by it <laughs> And think that was just a fanboy thing But um, that one, it kind of blew me away
3: my thanks to Alex. And as more states lock down or impose stricter regulations on businesses in the wake of COVID-19, bars have had a particularly tough time. Kevin Sintemwang, the lifestyle editor for Esquire, is hoping for many bars to reopen as he talks about the best bars in America. My next guest has the enviable title of culture and lifestyle director at Esquire magazine, and he just did a cross-country road trip, something I, would, I haven't done since I was in college, from, uh, from Brooklyn to California and back again. Kevin Simtuang, how are you, sir?
2: I'm great. I'm great. How are you, Peter?
3: Good. But what you also have done, and you do this every year, you list Esquire's best bars in America. So the timing has got to be rather interesting and, and, and curious now, given COVID-19.
2: It is, yeah. You know, when we we started reporting the, uh, the 2020 list, I mean, it's a thing we report. Year round, and um, but when this was ready to go to ship, um, uh, this was you know the pandemic was just starting, right? And so, um, yeah, it, it was an interesting, definitely an interesting time to, to put out a best bars list, to say the least.
3: All right, so what was the criteria for being the best bar? I'm sure it included like you know the most creative drink, or the atmosphere, or the uh, the, the you know the comfort quotient, or the service. What, do you, what what are you looking for?
2: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's, it's kind of a, an ephemeral quality, really. You know, uh, it's, I mean, it's definitely all those things you mentioned, but it's really about how much you really want to go back to that place, right? It's sort of it's it's the place you you know, let's say you just land in Los Angeles. You want and, and you want to go to um, you know you want to go to this bar you want you just lent, you, you know you, you're in New York you want to go to public records you want to go to Landa, you want to go to uh, Clover Club in Brooklyn. Um, it, it's really that kind of quality the one where you know you, you just can't you really just can't wait to go go back to it and and you know unfortunately that's a little bit harder uh, you know these days because of what's going on.
3: Exactly. Listen, I'm going to give you my criteria. You're going to laugh at me. I'm so easy. It's not funny. My best criteria for, for, for the best bar is I still like beer nuts.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, food, food. You know, a good bar snack. Yeah, that that will that will that will definitely get uh, get me back to a bar. You know, but a lot of it it is it is it is the great drinks. Um, you know, and it's also the music is a big part of it too. I think this year. Um, on this year's list, you're seeing this sort of burgeoning category of, uh, of listening bars, right? Bars where you just sort of have uh, a great cocktail and you're kind of list- listening to a record. And there's there's not so much conversation. It's really just about the music. Um, and, and so there, you know, and so there's places like that. There's, there's places like uh, one of my favorite bars in New York City is like Katana Kitten. And that has more of like a, a party vibe. Um, and then you're seeing a lot of great uh, wine bars around the country where it's it's less, um, you know, uh, less a little less precious and feels, you know, a lot more, you know, cool and casual uh, place oh. to have a, a glass of wine.
3: Of course, though, in the age of, of the pandemic, the beer nuts ain't going to cut it because I'm not going to share them with you and you're not going to share them with me. Right. It's a, the, the bars have had to pivot. In terms of what they're offering, in terms of how they're doing their drinks, in terms of how they're figuring out where people sit, whether it's indoor or outdoor, depending on the jurisdiction and the community that they're in. So all bets are off, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The food, you know, it's you're seeing a lot of innovations, right? And, you know, and I noticed um, uh, sort of at the tail end of my report. uh, But definitely when I did this cross-country trip, you're, you're seeing a lot of people adjust to that yeah bar that, that kind of um i mean bars will still serve food sometimes it's mandatory you know and like in, in new york you have to have you have to sort of um uh order food in order to get a drink now um because of the new laws uh but yeah you're you know you're seeing a lot more to-go cocktails uh across the country where it's like you're 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 getting like a large format cocktail uh and bringing it home um i have to be in a bar where I sat inside a bar all the experience I've had when I when I um, sort of crossed the country was uh, all outdoor bars um, and you know they and people are, are getting creative in, in that arena too
3: and of course I get they're getting I bet they're getting creative in terms of the go cups and what you're actually able to take home with you now. Because a lot of people will actually want to take home. I mean, I have friends of mine who are completely fanatics just about collecting Starbucks cups. So I can imagine what the <laughs> bar scene must be like.
2: Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I think uh, this bar, uh, it's in the the West Village. It's called Dante. And they've done a really beautiful job with their um, they have like this big martini program and their labels are really beautiful you can get like a six pack of martinis uh, which is sort of like a great uh, you know gift to, to bring home uh, to to a lot but at the end of the day um, <laughs> and then when I was re- I, I was recently out in a um, in San Francisco and this was uh this is uh, at um, I went to this is one of kind of my first um, you know uh, cor- like Pandemic or pandemic sort of bar outings was at Pacific Cocktail Haven, uh, otherwise known as PCH, and I got some uh, um, I got a few cocktails to go there, um, and they they just they serve it with the ice that you would get there, so it's this, this crystal clear big blocks of ice that you bring home, so you you can bring a little bit more of that experience uh, to your house, you know. Um, so, but yeah, you, I think that, that and that's the thing with 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 the to go thing. I think people are figuring out how to sort of add that extra layer of specialness, that extra layer of, like, hospitality uh, to the to-go experience, yeah.
3: I noticed in in, in some of your lists here a couple of cities that never used to register when it came to best bars, and one of them was Houston.
2: Oh, yeah. Houston is a a huge drinking culture there, and, you, you know, it's so hot. It's like it's summer there, like year round. So you need you you know you're always in need of a of a nice cold drink down there. And, and um, uh, yeah, it's it's it you know, and it's also there's also a lot of great seafood there. If you if you you know, it's a, it's almost. Uh, I, I feel I feel like people kind of forget sometimes forget Houston um, as kind of a, a dining drinking destination, but it, but it's an amazing one.
3: Exactly, and then the other surprise. It really was a surprise to me. Was Indianapolis?
2: Oh, yeah, Indianapolis. Uh, it, it's um, Bar One Fourteen, uh, which is this great little. It's like it's like it's almost like drinking in an apartment where someone is just playing you their favorite records, and you're just getting these impeccably uh, made drinks. And yeah, no, you you would not expect. Uh, a bar like that to be uh, in in, the, in Indianapolis, but that's the that's the fun thing about reporting this story, right? Is that you get to go to sort of um, these these smaller cities, you know, outside of the coast, and and really get to discover these gems. There's there's a lot of you know, America has a, a, a really rich um, drinking and eating culture uh, outside of uh, you know New York and Los Angeles.
3: Now there was a time and you remember it, Kevin, when the competitiveness in the bars was to see who could make the most complicated drink with the most amount of ingredients in there, and everybody was doing this one-upsmanship game. Uh, I'm assuming they're still doing that, but is there a drink that you've discovered at any of the bars you looked at that you would absolutely never try to make at home?
2: Oh, that is a good question. Um, that is a good one. Oh, yeah, Okay. So uh, there is this drink at Friday, Saturday, Sunday, well, which is this wonderful bar in Philadelphia, and the bartender there, Paul McDonald, uh, does a drink based on the Fibonacci sequence, that that mathematical sequence, and um, it has. It's one of those drinks with many, many ingredients, uh, but it just works. It, it's like, and um, I would never make it at home because. Um, you kind of have to buy like six or seven bottles to make this one drink. Um, so, and and plus, it's just sort of like I. It's I think it's really hard to measure like a eighth of an ounce. It's like uh, a quarter ounces, but it, there's sort of like minuscule amounts of things in there too. So that, but it really does make a difference. Uh, but yeah, that's I'm I'm not touching that. I am, I'm 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 going to be wait. I'm going to wait for Friday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to open up again and get that drink there, as opposed to make, trying to replicate that at home.
3: <laughs> and something tells you that's not a drink you take to go. You you drink it there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's better to be had there. You know? Uh, yeah, Some I think some drinks like Martinis, uh, Manhattans, uh, uh, you know, travel pretty well. You can stick those in the freezer. Uh, um, but like you know, frozen drinks or some Um, some shaken drinks you kind of want to, you know, drink outside uh, right after you get them.
3: Yeah, a lot of the frozen drinks you don't want to take home because they'll deconstruct on the way. Hey, you know, my crazy story happened in Savannah, Georgia. I was doing a story Mm -hmm. then for for NBC. We went into a bar, and they said, we want to show you our signature drink. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. The, The bartender takes out a glass the size of like three thermoses, and starts putting stuff in there. I mean, not one, not two, not three different kinds of alcohol, probably four or five, all sorts of other ingredients, everything short of the kitchen sink. I mean, the thing you had to hold it with two hands and and you had it was like pressing, you know, pressing iron. And I finally said, "Okay, does this drink have a name?" And everybody started laughing. I said, "Come on, you made it, what do you call it?" And they all they said, "The name of the drink is Call a Cab." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: these days it was. And the, I have the, to the tell you, C- Kevin,
3: <laughs> I have to tell you, I drank it, and I had to call again. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, uh, very apt name, yeah.
3: My thanks to Kevin, to Alex George, and to Nikhil Advani, and my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for updates on all the breaking travel news, just sign on to petergreenberg.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail.